My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm -hmm. But it's an empty road, I feel so alone, I forgot. Good morning, Patriots. And it is one of those amazing days, Tuesday, February 27th in the year 2024. I'm actually looking out at Mount Scott, and I'm looking at snow on Mount Scott, which is nice. We've had a lot of rain and interesting weather this particular season. And this is a, a morning to wake up to with 37 degrees temperatures outside, snow up on the mountain, and the cows grazing in the lower field. So it's kind of a nice view, nice way to start the day, nice way to remember what is important. And um, it's uh, something else, I'll tell you. We, we get lost in a lot of times in the, in the things that consume us. 
not necessarily in good ways. And figured since we're going to have a lot of heavy news, we better start with a good thought because this world is beyond insane as we know it. And what can I say? Patriots, I want to start this morning just with a call out to sleep. You need to have sleep. Lots of sleep. And MyPillow.com is one of those places where we get everything we need for sleep. I I have to say, and I, it's amazing to me how, how this company has endured the in, incredible onslaught of evil and what they've done to Mike Lindell and tried to do everything they can to slaughter this company. And the thing is that not only is it a, been a target because of what he's supported politically, which is the re- to reset the 2020 elections and get that adjudicated fairly and correctly. But it's also the point of keeping a company going and not just going, but keeping the quality of product up, which they have done. Right now, there's still a window of free shipping for all the things that they have, and they have some amazing sales on there on this site. If you head on over to mypillow.com forward slash bards, mypillow.com forward slash bards, you're going to find it to be a really great series of things that they have up for sale. One of the things right now is the uh, comforters, and they're a 600 fill comforter. I have, I have them on all the beds, and they're fantastic and amazing sales off. It's over over fifty percent off right now. Match that with the duvet, and you're in business. So check it out. I mean, I I sleep. I, I guess it's one of these things that when I, as you know pretty well, if I'm going to endorse something, I'm going to get to know it. And my pillow started with us coming up on. It was started in, in June of 2021. And so we're coming up on three years that um, we've had my pillow part of this channel. And I won't step away from them. They're just an amazing company. And just continue to be great support for Patriots, but also just great quality products. And so part of that is I, I, I walk the talk. So I've got their products. I sleep on them every night from their mattress to their mattress toppers, their pillows. They're incredible products, and they do make a difference. And everybody I've I've shared them with says the same thing. So, great time to get some things. Especially, they've also got the six piece towel sets right now, which are another great setup. Uh, if you don't have their bath towels, you should. So head on over to mypillow.com forward slash bards. Mypillow.com forward slash bards. Promo code bards b a r d s. You won't be disappointed. I'll tell you, it's good stuff. I want to start to this morning. I guess with our morning update on Flemingsburg, uh, which is important. So the Flemingsburg property, let's just go through that a little bit. I want to make sure everybody's clear what we're doing and what we've been blessed with and how things are moving. So it's really quite amazing. So the Flemingsburg property, our first round of funding was to acquire, to establish a about twenty-five dollars to $27,000. The minimum we needed was 27000 or 25000 to secure the property and put it into a pending sale. And why that's important is once we got there, typically what works in, very typically escrows are worked in a space where escrow is like a 30-day escrow. But that wasn't part of the offer made to us, that we could we needed to get a certain amount to get it secured, and then the escrow period, we have months to fill. So right now our target is to try to get this next level of funding, which once we get to the next level of funding, the contract, we go into a full contract with uh, a a balance owed, which is roughly about twice of what we're we're putting down. But that balance owed is over 10 years and the revenues from the park are self-sustaining. 
or revenues from this facility are self-sustaining. So this is, and it's that contract we go into is an amazing deal. I mean, just it's it's a common law contract, which is, makes it even better. So I just, I'm kind of putting that out there so we understand real we said all along we're going to be transparent about all of this. Well, we we did just hit the goal. We nearly, we actually doubled our goal, and which is incredible. And so that's where round one of funding or phase one of funding is was complete. We're now into phase two of funding, and that phase two of funding is to get us to that next level, which we have months to do. Um, our target is to have this complete by the end of June and then be able to celebrate 4th of July there. We're going to have our event in, on Bard's Fest on 4th of July and to celebrate that there with the formal contract in place. So this is our goal and we're doing great. Um, and I just thank you for everybody that is continuing to donate. I just ask that you'll continue to pray on it as well. The biggest part about this, this is God's thing. This is a God property. It's a kingdom property. And as this is moving forward because of our prayers and faith in him. And so I just want to make sure that we keep our prayers there. We keep this in our focus and really keep pushing forward here. This is an exciting opportunity for us to acquire this property at an unprecedented level and, and, uh, and the way it's all set up. And this is truly something where, um, and I spoke to Willie yesterday, they're excited. They're prepping up to start opening it up again in March and um, then we'll start coordinating our Bards Fest for for July uh, very soon on. And then now to caveat that, so that's Bards, that's Flemingsburg. Then the other part of this is uh, on on April 8th, we're having another Bards Fest. It's the Eclipse event, and we're having a dual event, one in on the border and one up in Ohio. So there's going to be three, officially three Bards Fests this year, at least at this point, and maybe more. That should get you excited. The April 8th event, I'll have all the details, hopefully by the end of the week, if not early Monday, you'll have that. And then you can count on a Bards Fest at Flemingsburg at Mandolin Farms at the Bards Nation Ministry National, maybe we'll, we'll call something fancy, Bards Nation Ministry National Center or something like that, um, which we will have uh, in um, July 4th, which will be a big deal. And we're going to do a work party there, and that work party is going to put together the amazing... Um, Sammy's Grill is the goal, and that'll be in honor of Jim Conley's son, who passed away at, during the last Bards Fest. So, and give Jim a a place to kick it for the grilling. That man knows how to cook food. Let me tell you, like nobody, it's really amazing. Okay, so that's that's the that's the news for the. Okay, that's it. See you later. Just kidding. We got a lot to cover today. Those are the better news things, though. You got to admit, though, those are, like, those are the things that keep us going. If we don't have these things to keep us going, um, all this other news, I today I'm going to go down and I'm going to take the pitchfork and I've got to move a bunch of old hay. And old hay kind of gets like old manure. So this is kind of like every time I get up each day and look at the world news, I'm like, oh. I need to get my pitchfork out, which is pretty true. I want to play this piece right here. Um, start out with, this is from an old piece from Margaret Thatcher. Just so much on point. Take a listen. You know, when the state does everything for you, it'll soon take everything from you. You will then have no basis for personal freedom, political freedom, nor economic freedom. The state must never substitute for personal responsibility. I know that we'll only get the kind of country, the kind of prosperity uh, 
are the kind of standards which I wish to see. If everyone says, it's my job to do my best. It's my job to try to lend a hand to others and not to say, well, I'm not going to do that. That's for the state. What sort of society do you think we'd have if you said, have people saying that? It's the state's job to find a job. It's the state's job to house me. Um, it's the state's job to look after my family. What, what Once that? you go in, freedom is inseparable from personal responsibility. You know, there's a famous quote from George Bernard Shaw, if I can remember it. Freedom incurs responsibility. That's why many men fear it. Freedom incurs personal responsibility and that dies off at the end. That's why many men fear it. So much truth in that. So much absolute truth. It is a, it's one of those things as we've talked about so much is that we are in an age of accountability and accountability demands personal responsibility. Now, I just want to pivot a little bit and, and take a look at this from a different lens of what we're talking about in Flemingsburg. And, and the more that we pray into this, I think the more God reveals. The one thing that's unique about that concept in Flemingsburg is there is a whole measure of personal responsibility built into even attending there. You, if you're going to camp, it's your personal responsibility to take care of yourself. You're not going to get a, month, a morning maid service. You're not going to get, you're not going to get food delivered to your to your room every morning or whatever you're doing. There's no convenience stores local right around there. There's a certain sense of when we walk in and do our faith that we have to literally start leaning in and taking responsibility in all things we do. And that's literally that whole concept there of the church without walls, walking into the world and taking responsibility to bring Christ into the world in the true church within us. And that's important because we are laden right now with a massive amount of stupid in our world, and it's getting worse, and unfortunately people are sitting by and just doing nothing. Here's a great example. This is a post that was up in uh, for a group called uh, Welcome Corps, and Welcome Corps is... <laughs> this is, I love this. This is the headline. Volunteers needed to support refugee resettlement efforts in Michigan. Yes, they are asking now for people to literally take in illegal aliens into their home. So because the government is bringing them to your doorstep and the government doesn't want to, doesn't have any more taxpayer dollars to line their pocket with to fund the elites that are sucking off the money in the state of Michigan. So now they're asking you to give up your home to settle, um, to totally settle the illegal aliens for them. So this reads on, explore various ways to support refugee. I love that. Refugee resettlement. This would be calling illegal aliens coming across the border, many of which are evil people. Just imagine, you could open your door and have an ISIS member or Hezbollah, at, or Hamas, easy, or maybe MS-13 member that will join your home. And trust me, you're, you'll be fine. And don't worry about your children becoming a rape victim or child sex trafficked or the family being murdered and skinned alive. No, don't worry about that. Because the government's telling you and the, and the private organization called Welcome Corps is going to help you out. So they say, uh, they want these efforts in Michigan through Welcome Corps, a private sponsorship program. In other words, a private human trafficking organization has now gone mainstream. Everyday Americans can make a difference by welcoming refugees from around the world and helping Welcome Corps become one of the most known public names in child sex trafficking to legally raise money and move human beings and kids 
into your home. And why? Because that way you become complicit in the crime. Everything these people do is to weave us into their crimes so that they cannot be held accountable. That is the whole idea. And there you go. Welcome Court is available to you. You should make you feel warm and fuzzy and know that there's so many good people out here doing such great things, especially as we get the news today that in, in 2023, Spain has logged the lowest birth rate in eight decades. That's an outcome of the VAX. We know very well that this was a depopulation agenda, and they are moving rapidly towards depopulating the world, and part of that is the sterilization of the human race. They have been very successful at this, and the sterilization gets to the spike protein and where it embeds in the lipids, and it causes a person to become sterile. Or the even worse, it is also causing a massive increase in abortions and distorted fetuses right from the beginning. This is a horrible outcome of, a, of an injection that was put off on the public that too many people willfully and wantingly walked into because of the motivations of fear. We're living through one of the most atrocious threshings we could ever imagine, and we're witnessing it before our very eyes. I do want to highlight biblically a framework on this, though. We we talk a lot about the plagues uh, in Moses' time, and it's easy for us to talk about it. And when it, I don't think it's as easy for us to visualize what that would have been like during that time of judgment. We're going through a judgment right now a judgment by our own will effectively because a world that walked away from their faith in the deep part of their faith has willfully walked into a moment where they accepted that the government would take care of them and taking instead of taking responsibility for living in the world and what that meant. So the minute that they people have turned over to ab- abdicate their their authorities and their control of their life to a government, which is a real problem with this new generation that now wants, I think the the numbers I think we read yesterday are something like 70% of this new generation wants to live in a socialist world where the government will take care of everything. They're giving away their rights and thinking that it's in the middle of a most, in the most atrocious era of dystopian and despotic leadership we've ever seen where they are openly taking away rights and somehow there's still the brainwashing that's deep to say, oh, we're the government, we're here to take care of you. And they're accepting that prima facie for what it is. It's incredible. So we're in a very, very difficult moment in the world where we are truly seeing the independence of those that are rising up and what it is to hold the line outside of everything around us. And this is a difficult time for this walk, but it's one where the only way we can get through it is through our anchoring in our faith. But it's it's a difficult, it's a moment where people are having to continually to make choices. And we see the outcomes of that. And those outcomes are not pretty. And I want to give you some background here. There's a really good piece. This account I've used numbers of times. I like him is Ian Carroll. And it's called Cancel CL, Cancel C Loco. Um, he is at on Twitter or, or Ian Carroll on Twitter. This guy does some incredible research. I want you to hear this on the FDA and their funding from Big Pharma. Did you know that the FDA receives almost half of its funding from Big Pharma? You know, the Food and Drug Administration that's supposed to regulate and make sure that the drugs Big Pharma is producing are safe? But back in 1992, the Prescription Drug User Fee Act was passed. And they very cleverly worded it as if it was the Food and Drug Administration collecting fees from drug manufacturers to fund the approval process. 
But notice how if you flip that around, that is the drug manufacturers paying the FDA to expedite the approval process. And every five years, the pharmaceutical lobbyists come out in support of renewing the act and increasing the fee. This is the organization lobbying on behalf of this law. They're one of the biggest pharmaceutical industry lobbying organizations. They've lobbied fiercely against allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices for Medicare recipients. They've also lobbied to prevent price limits and greater price transparency for drugs. Go figure. And when the PDUFA law was passed in 1992, it wasn't funding a lot of the FDA, but by now it's providing almost half of their budget. Notice the scale is in millions of dollars. So that is almost $3 billion out of an almost $6 billion budget. In the year 2002, when the fees really started to kick off, fees are the blue line, money getting paid from pharma to the FDA. Right as fees were taken off, the number of warning letters being submitted about drugs just dropped off a cliff. Suddenly, I suppose all the drugs were super safe. Notice this data only goes through 2013, and even this data only goes through 2019. But it turns out this time frame here is not random. That was when Vioxx was happening. And if you don't know about Vioxx, Vioxx was a painkiller that was developed by Merck Pharmaceuticals, where they actively covered up findings that it was causing heart problems in their test subject, got it approved to market, sold it to millions of Americans, and in the time it was on the market, it caused 88,000 heart attacks, killing 38,000 people. In the end, Merck paid what is believed to be the biggest drug settlement ever of $4.85 billion. Although, I think Purdue Pharma and the opioid crisis topped that. And if you want just one more nugget, Daniel Troy, the FDA chief counsel that was appointed in 2001 through the Vioxx situation, this guy? So he was the chief lawyer for the Food and Drug Administration that's regulating the pharmaceutical companies and making sure they're safe. What does he do immediately after leaving the FDA? He goes to become a partner at the Washington law firm Sydney Austin LLP, where he principally represented the pharmaceutical companies and trade associations on matters related to the FDA and government regulations. He later joined GSK, GlaxoSmithKline, a pharmaceutical company, and was responsible for leading the company's legal department in protecting GSK's intellectual property, managing litigation, supporting their business development transactions, etc. The FDA is funded by Big Pharma. Big Pharma is staffed by ex-FDA regulators protecting them against regulation. And when they put out deadly drugs with fraudulent studies to back them up, they walk away with a fine and a slap on the wrist and they get to keep all the rest of the profit. But of course, that's all ancient history. These days, Big Pharma is a bastion of integrity and moral values. They only produce high quality products that are heavily regulated, that are tested in, out, all around. You should trust Big Pharma. You should trust the regulators. They have your best interest in mind. And they do such a good job at having your best interest in mind that that's why they make millions of dollars every year. The CEOs, I mean, the companies make billions of dollars every year. Trust the science. Don't ask questions. There, that's that's the uh, it's called the censorship, the censorship tag on so that uh, you can't be blocked on Twitter, which is crazy. By the way, uh, there's been some interesting accounts suspended lately on X, and that um, is not by accident. I think that the overemphasis on Elon Musk drives me nuts. Everyone sees him as the bastion of free speech. He's just part of another elite faction trying to take control. 
Um, new SpaceX is deepening its ties with U.S. intelligence and military agencies, winning at least one major classified contract and expanding a secretive company satellite program called StarShield for national security customers, the Wall Street Journal reports. StarShield, it's just another part of the uh, Skylink system that they're putting in. It is supposed to be resistant to all things for military and ensuring that if the one grid goes down, that they'll always be able to maintain the prison state and know where you are and be able to monitor you. And as things get increasingly get worse, um, do not think that they are uh, not going to come after you for speaking the truth. I saw someone put in chat Starlink. I know the name of it. It's Starlink. I am always going to call it Skynet because if you haven't seen the Term Terminator, watch it because this is all you're watching. This is what's so funny is that the whole concept of Skynet was that there is a massive global grid of, of satellites that are controlling everything and lead to the rise of AIs. So we, we nicely like to change the name and say Skynet. Someone says they like it because it's more accurate. Perhaps. I, and I'm not going to say the name is inaccurate. I'm just saying that the reference is intentional. That's all I'm saying to you. And it's, it's, it's that we are dealing with Skynet. Uh, I guess Starlink, I should say, is the Skynet is more accurate. Starlink is the nice, flavorful name. It's when you put this literally when you take a pile of cow poo and you put on a big buttercream frosting and you go, look what I have for you. And people go, oh, it's not cow poo anymore. It's buttercream frosting. Well, take a bite. Good luck. See how that goes. It is literally horrible. This is this is what we're dealing with here. And it is not getting any better. And the reasons that so much of this is being um, dealt with Comes right Emergency vaccine. Hold on a minute. It comes right down to the whole accountability issue. At the beginning of the year, first of January, we we signed the and the release the the DMA Declaration of Military Accountability, which is an incredibly important document, and it is applied the focal point of of accountability onto the military leadership. There has been a lot of questions as to what does that translate in terms of action. Well, action from the DMA is rooted in everybody being involved, spreading the word, and getting that seated into the discussion of the mainstream, and ultimately lifting that discussion up to where it will become part of an un unavoidable tsunami of demand for accountability. At the meantime, the DMA has launched a number of candidates to get into Congress, one of which is Cam Hamilton, which we've had him on. He was at Bards Fest and others. And then there's a whole social media component that has erupted out of this. This is a very energized and very focused group to bring accountability to the military, all related to the COVID con and the mandate of mandating the va illegally mandating the vaccination upon soldiers. One of these researchers is goes by Shu and um, on on Twitter or X, um, the exact Twitter name is Sam Sauer, which is at S-A-M-A. O-S-A-U-R. He runs a good account. I know him. He's a really good analyst. I would really suggest you follow him. I want you to listen to this because there was a major development this last week in accountability within the military ranks. This happened very quietly, but it's a very significant pivot because it opens up the door for more cases and more accountability. So take a listen. On June 29, 2022, PFC Derek Wynn was discharged from the U.S. Army for refusing to take the COVID-19 vaccine. He was given a general under honorable conditions discharge. Last week, an Army Discharge Review Board upgraded his discharge to honorable. 
I'm gonna cut this up a little bit here, but this is what the actual letter says. It says, in a records review conducted on 13 December 2023 and by a five to zero vote, the board determined the discharge was improper. I skip forward, it says, the board considered the applicant's exemption request was based on the distinction between the emergency use authorization Pfizer vaccine and the FDA Comirnaty vaccine and his request to receive the Comirnaty vaccine. The significance here is what we've been telling you all along. The military forced its service members to take an EUA vaccine. Even though there was a vaccine that was technically FDA approved, it was never produced, it was never made, it was never given to the DOD or anybody else for that matter. Therefore, the law was broken and everybody was forced to take an EUA vaccine. Derek said, give me Comirnaty, give me an FDA approved vaccine and I'll take it. They never provided it and he was unlawfully discharged. The review board saw that. They upgraded his discharge to honorable, and in a five to nothing vote, they have basically said the law was broken, and this sets precedent. I'm going to hang this on our telegram. Go check it out. So this is super important, and this precedent is what you're looking for when we start to do change in direction. Obviously, these things, they, they don't bring into the full light of the media. That's our job, and this is truly when we start digging into looking at elevating up truth. But here's why this gets even more important. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. On June 29th, oops, sorry, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. reposted that that post by Sam. And it goes, and he and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said in his post, the military has finally admitted that it wrongfully compelled service personnel to submit to an exper experimental medical product. There is still no accountability. That will happen when I am elected. So that's a, a powerful place. He's the honestly. Um, RFK Jr. is the only one speaking out against this vax. Everyone else wants to either endorse it indirectly or just wants to pretend that it didn't exist, keeping in mind that even Trump still owns this. And I'm never going to let this go because you don't get to say I'm the father of the vax, the greatest, the greatest achievement of all times, as we have millions of people that have been killed by this. Millions. And that evidence just continues to mount. This is uh, Edward Dowd. And I want you to hear this. This is testimony he was giving recently. This is no joke. His research is powerful. Take a listen. Excess deaths. Um, we wrote methodolo methodology papers on how we calculate them. We th three different methods. We prefer the second method. Uh, these can be compared to the actuarial tables from the insurance industry, which saw similar excess death in their group life policy. So these excess deaths are undeniable. What is going on currently is certain governments are now changing how they calculate these numbers. The uh, ONS just announced a change to the calculation methodology for their excess death number, which reduces obviously the excess deaths because they like that result better. Um, we suspected that might happen, so that's why we wrote our methodology papers and published them in, in September of uh, 2022. And, uh, the actuarial tables that the insurance companies use haven't changed. So excess deaths are continuing. The insurance companies are seeing the same excess mortality, especially in the, in the working age population. So these deaths are undeniable. This is, you can't, you can't hide the dead bodies, unfortunately. So again, you publish all your information on your, your website. Uh, was it One America? Was that the insurance company that was kind of the first revelation of this? Uh, was an insurance company out of Indiana? Well, One America, uh, CEO Scott Davison in a Chamber of Commerce uh, meeting re revealed that he had seen 40% excess mortality in the uh, millennial age group, uh, uh, 25 through 44. 
and even as high, actually for 50, uh, 25 through 64. And he said that's 10% increase would be once in a 200-year flood or a three-standard deviation event. 40% was off the charts, just off the charts. And we haven't really heard anything since that point in time other than from people like you. What? Because what, what, we tried helping you get insurance data, and we were just pretty well blocked. No, the, 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 insurance, the, the insurance companies, they did not want to cooperate with us and provide us their information. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so what they're doing is... Um, Unfortunately, there's still a lot of controversy in the insurance industry where a lot of people don't even want to look at the vaccine issue. A lot of these CEOs mandated, got the jab themselves, who are in a state of denial. Uh, they have raised prices in group life policies, so the losses are less now. Uh, losses will be coming in whole life policies due to a Byzantine accounting uh, dynamic, so we expect to see uh, reserves taken once they lower their long-term uh, mortality uh, assumptions and uh, or raise their long-term mortality assumptions, I should say, and we'll see losses start running through their P&Ls this year and next. Um, with it, I have whistleblowers, and there's been discussions at board-level meetings about the continued excess mortality, and they dance around every issue uh, except the vaccine. Not mentioned. So again, you, you talked about an awful lot of numbers, but you know, my big takeaway is that what you found out is in working age population, there was just an extraordinary increase in de excess deaths and disabilities starting in 2021. Not 2020 during the pandemic before we had a vaccine, but after the vaccine rollout. I mean, is that pretty much your that, 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 that That's correct, and that's my thesis as to why the vaccine causes. There was a huge mix shift from old to young starting in 21. Disabilities weren't apparent in 2020. And if you look at the disability numbers, and you, 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 can, you can drill down into them, uh, the rate of change for the employed in our country in disabilities between 2021 and 2023 was 38%. So that was a rate of change increase of 38% versus the general U.S. population, which has been nine, and not in labor force, only 4%. So I encourage everybody to go look at his data, and it's indisputable, basically. So thank you, Mr. Dowd. Thank you. The Senator Ron Johnson, uh, Congressman Ron Johnson, one of the two, holding that hearing, fantastic. Edward Dowd, we've had him on the show a couple of times. He is a powerful voice, and is, his data is indisputable. He is He's building the, the current actuary tables for the new era, just so you're aware of this. And talk about integrity. This is a man that was managing, uh, in, it was 12 to $15 billion in BlackRock assets in their, in their fund investments, and he's he moved that left BlackRock, took his skills to doing accounting and building out this new actuary tables, has put this into the public space so people can see it rather than making it an investment um, issue, which he can make, I'll be very honest, he can make hundreds of millions on this with his data. He's putting this first and foremost into the public space. What we are seeing here, if you heard that in the last, that there is a 38% increase in disability in the workforce and the deaths are undisputed. So when we're looking at this labor gap, which you're seeing, and then you're looking at this flooding of immigrants coming across the border, there is an interesting parallel that's happening here. The numbers start to line up in a very draconian way. And that is that you have the number of loss estimated by Edward Dowd the last time I spoke with him was in excess of 10 million people either disabled or killed in the, by the vax. And the number of influx of illegal aliens is 
well over 10 million. I think Pete's latest numbers that we got from him on the weekend were something like 14 million people. So you start to see the exchanges happening with the, the replacement strategy. None of this is by accident. None of this is by accident. You have to understand that what has happened here is a much bigger strategy to weaken a nation and to ensure that it will become pacified and willfully compliant to the new direction of a global one world order. To do that, you have to take away the strength of a nation at the root, which is our ability to want to be independent, want to live in an accountable way, to have power for we the people, to break the back of a nation. They have strategically gone about separating wisdom class from the main body. They've done that over years as we shuttle our parents into homes or don't take accountability towards helping our parents when they get into older age. We get comfortable with our me lifestyles, surrounding ourselves with our own convenience and living our lives out our, ourselves, raising kids, kicking them out of the nest, not having to take accountability anymore. And then we become a place where we bring children in and we push them out to public school systems, which are just public indoctrination camps, government indoctrination camps. We become so rooted in that that we don't have an accountability of the number of deaths because they're not before us of the wisdom class, which has been decimated by this. Equally, the middle class, that middle class group, which is the millennial class, they are now not even in, in the accountability circles. These are people that are living on their own in a in the 20s, late 20s, 30s, and early 40s range. Edward Dowd's numbers have zeroed in on them, and they have been wiped out by the, their participation in working class and the, and the viable working class of our nation. This is an ongoing war that's happened here, and they want everything diverted away from that. And accountability to that brings us down to the bigger question of why. And those are things that are still hanging out there is what is the real motive other than a global one world order, which we know, but there's an urgency to move us to this global one world order. And by the way, that that answer, I'm going to leave because I don't know if this is the exact answer, but I have Jamie Waldron on Wednesday night. Jamie is uh, the author of of Omega Dynamics. He was at Bards Fest 1. He's a firebrand, a former Marine, if you can say that he is a Marine. But uh, he is continuing his ministry, and he's done some amazing research as to the greater picture of the why. So I'm leaving you with a bit of a cliffhanger on that because I'm going to let him explain it in the interview on Wednesday night. But it's very powerful. But at the same time, we have to start looking at all the distractions that are around, and there's plenty. Obviously, our leadership in the military, Juanita Broderick put out a post. It's very powerful. It's a visual post I'll describe to you. But um, and by the way, she goes at A-T-E-N-S-N-U-T. A T E N S N U T. That's uh, that's Juanita Broderick. Uh, she's put out a visual post of four pictures, four senior members of our military that are all transgenders, and that's the current state of things, quite frankly, including Millie, who's walking around like some doof, doofus with a uh, big face shield on, and somebody else in a dog mask. All of these people are just nuts. This is our leadership. And she writes, who else thinks our military leadership needs complete overhaul and restructuring? It does because they're complicit. And part of this is what Jamie will talk to him about on Wednesday. He, In his intel, what he's got is that every single military senior leader in the in the Pentagon, this the joint staff type leadership has all been owned and purchased by the Chinese, which is very possible. But here's another in, very interesting look into what's going on in another level Again, this is a profiteering war machine that we're part of. 
And it is that same war machine that it, that helped design and build the VAX to deploy that against the American public. That would be the military-industrial complex and the pharmaceutical military complex as part of that is also sending out all of our resources into these other wars. Our national reserves, including national oil reserves, our resources for our military, the the weapon systems, they're getting depleted at an unprecedented rate. And we're leave, a nation is being left highly vulnerable to the point that we are not, and this was kind of Pete Chambers' thesis, not kind of, it was part of his thesis on Saturday night, that they have stood up the first all, all volunteer cavalry again, cavalry again in Texas, and they're they're horse based primarily. There is an expectation that there's going to be a pretty heavy shortage of fuel and mobility and parts and so forth because all of this has been exported out to China and our internal reserves have been deeply depleted. But here's the other part of this, and I've made this comment before, but now it's in headlines, and it says. First M1 Abrams tank destroyed in Ukraine shortly after appearance on the battlefield. Why is that a big deal? Every single piece of military hardware we keep sending over to Ukraine keeps getting destroyed. And this is supposed to be the cutting-edge hardware. So people can say, well, that's operator air. The problem is it's not operator air when you have the best armor, the best everything, and suddenly it is becoming scrap on the battlefield almost as fast as we put it out there. There's a technological leap that's been made that no one's talking about. And it's happening on the side. It's and combined with, I think, there is a degradation in our equipment that no one wants to speak about, which is that our equipment was never up to the specs it said it was. It's part of the big illusion. So it's been great being able to conquer third world countries that use RPGs and primitive technology and show the dominance of our great technology. But in the end of the day, this has been a profiteering war machine that has not been building the best equipment for the soldiers. I can guarantee you that's true. And I can guarantee you because I was part of a process when I was in Department of Defense to help accelerate and improve what we call rapid prototyping to improve the quality of product and, and the effectiveness of the warfighter downrange. When we hear something like this, that the Abrams tank is left destroyed on the battlefield, the first question I'm asking is, what is the, what is the, the weapon system that destroyed it? And how did that happen so quickly when this is supposed to be the the greatest tank ever developed, including one that still has dominance on the battlefield. It doesn't. And I think what we're seeing here more and more with the glimpses in Ukraine is how much junk that's been in our in our inventory that our soldiers were relying on to save their lives. We, If you recall, last few years ago, we had two Navy ships steer into each other. We had Navy ships literally going off course, steering into fishing vessels, losing control. That's was highly indicative of a Chinese hack because they were able to get into the software of the system and plant viruses to be able to remotely control vehicles. All of this is a global infiltration and destruction of our infrastructure in a military hardware. And it has happened because in the end of the day, it's not easy, it's not difficult to persuade senior CEOs and government officials with big cash to cut corners so that they can make more for themselves. We have become a selfless, a self-driven nation for profiteering and personal gain at the expense of many others. And this even continues more because there is now, there's discussions of these, this Houthi, the Houthi tribes attacks. And we love the way I say that, Houthi tribes. We think of them like primitive people. These folks are exceeding and having major effect on our operations out there, supposedly with primitive weapon systems 
And now they're even involved in knocking out undersea cables. I need to make that clear. That is, that means you have to have deep dive suits and you have some, have to have some ability to get down to some unbelievable depths to start cutting up these cables. That is also a prelude to watch out for internet blackout because it is coming. The closer that this comes to reveal in the nation, the closer we get there to that point of reveal where people are, are no longer able to look away and they start looking at these horrific truths that this despotic government is part of, what it has done to its people, the willful attempt to destroy and annihilate a population using a vax as part of the process, the act, and that is a bioweapon that was deployed in a vaccine form, the constant push towards getting people to watch it, the, the, these great promises, which the, the Q movement has become the worst perpetrators of this. I would start talking about this great new horizon with great new technologies, quantum this or that, flying cars, all this nonsense, which is all just a marketing scam to get people to look away from the core issues of the problem. The more that we continue down that road and start to see their truth and the less that those sort of dazzling promises can make effect on the public, you're going to ultimately see a moment, point where they're going to cut the internet. They have to. Because if they don't, the internet is is a place where it, too much information is being spread. And that point, I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know how it's going to disrupt. But that is, has to be in their plan because the greatest threat to the internet is not that is not in the place that it's it's the information that they can pour in to counter it. It's the fact that they're losing control of a narrative because of it. People connect. And the more people connect, the more people start to develop a greater awareness of the problem. They start to see the bigger picture and start to understand how it's affected their, their lives. And that's a central part of waking up. And with that as well comes this powerful place of realizing that the government is not an authority they can trust and they start turning more and more to God, which they fear the most. In the end, there is nothing these people fear more, in my opinion, than people turning truly to their faith in God and understanding in this faith in God that we are not accountable to them, but we are accountable only to our Father, Father God. And when we start to play, position ourselves as a country and as a world towards that perspective where everything is through our Father, these people have no more control, and they know this. There is... There's a, there's a cascade of events that begins to happen where as they lose control, the consequence to them is terminal because no longer can they be seen and trusted and people will break from any form of trust and you end up with a complete breakdown of their grid system of control. That to them scares them the most. So they're left with only a few options. And in the end, to try to perpetuate a global war, which we've seen, to try to perpetuate a global nuclear war, which they desire, and to try to create mass amounts of infiltration and chaos with evil people coming across the border or even Chinese infiltrating us to try to cause an invasion from within. Remember, the Han Dynasty, which still has significant influence and power in China, is the most horrific dynasty ever. They make Hitler look like, like preschool. They want to see the eradication of every single white Anglo-Saxon person on the face of the earth. They want to see them erased, taken off. This is real. And there is that sort of energy within their military camp. So there is these threats are not uh, they are not manufactured. They're not conspiratorial. They're at the root of much of this. And right now, in a nation that is struggling with its own identity, the U.S. being part of it, thanks to massive propaganda campaigns that have worked through education, public schools, and universities, 
the level of understanding of what we represent as a nation constitutionally, what we were intended to be as a nation under God, is quickly being lost and cast aside. And in its place is this woke ideology that criminals are not accountable, police are the problem, and you can choose any type of your gender. That is straight up demonic. No other way about it. And so how do we win? It's always the same question we're going to come back to. How do we fight and how do we win? And it's always the same thing. It's literally the fivefold ministry. Apostolic, prophetic, healing, deliverance, and, and raising the dead. And with the core of all of that built on a simple principle, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and walk as Christ would want us to walk. That's how we win. And to understand that that walk with Jesus is not a love and hug thing. And there is a time that we have to have a brutal sword to start calling out the, the, the broken pulpit, to start calling out the brokenness of the message coming in in church, whether people like it or not, is irrelevant. It's a message that goes forward here that has to be pushed forward to be honest and to be truthful and to let the truth win. There is a, we've gone so far away from the truth and the power of Christianity. Christianity has become a very weak and meek system that has been conquered from within at the pulpit to a large extent. And we need the power of the word of Christ. And the only way that's going to break out of that is when we empower that church within our hearts. And that's the church without walls. So it takes us back to the whole vision of, of Flemingsburg and where God's leading us. So this is a huge moment. And it's a huge moment to literally, to literally be stepping in and being the voice that people need to hear to lift them up, to raise them up, and to bring them to Jesus, and to empower them with what that is. It's a mightiness of, of the sword. So tonight, Patriots, we have Jaron Jackson on. I think you'll enjoy that. He's got some more stuff to talk about, lots of stuff to talk about with terms of common law. Tomorrow night, Jamie Waldron on, and he's Omega Dynamics. You can check that out. He's, he's a powerful voice in the same principle of wielding the sword and getting ready, what he calls the underground church, which is powerful and will continue. So lots of good things happening this week. So let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you for this moment and um, where we are and to just pray for the blessings upon us all in this hour, just clarity and focus and discernment in a very important moment. We are, we are in a critical time, Father, of truth and the, the reestablishment of that warrior heart in Christ, that powerful place of literally loving what you love and hating what you hate. And to have that fire within our belly and the clarity within our sight and the clarity within our walk and discernment and everything we do, to be able to separate the sin for the sinner, but to truly understand that there is an intense focus of dedication and an intense aspect of us walking in obedience that too often gets marginalized and softened. And the more that we walk in the obedience with you, the greater we achieve the power and greatness of what Christ intended us to be. So, Father, we just ask for that continued download and that continued wisdom to fill us and to separate us from the wants of the world, the fleshly desires, and to keep us focused so much and intently in the power of the Spirit to raise us up, to raise up not just this, but the many elements of the remnant tribes as we come together and keep focused in what is ahead to start to unify that message, to raise up a powerful voice within the body of Christ, and to understand that it is a time for action, not a time for sitting on the sidelines. It's a time to step out of the pew and step into the world. 
And it's a time now to take that message into the underground and into, into our communities to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and reestablish the fivefold ministries. Each of us has that authority. Each of us has that power. And so, Father, we just pray that on each person that hears us today to raise them up in the mighty sword of the Spirit, to lead that in a mighty way, and to continue to be the change and be the change agent within the circles in which we influence and touch. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Powerful moments and powerful times to really lean in and seeking that authority that we have and using that authority. So it is, um, it's not ever going to be easy. And I think that's the part that is too often for, forgotten is it's, it's a place where we, I think many people want it to be easy. They want it to be a place where we can find a comfort. I think we see that in the younger generation that wants someone else to take care of the ills and, and struggles of the world around us. I think it's important, above all, that we keep in mind the core of a lot of where I see us going, and I think it's at the core of where the strength in our faith is, which is Jeremiah 6.16. Thus, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look at and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, then walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls but they said, we will not walk in it. As I say so many times, that's the separation. That's the threshing. I know where I'm walking. I'll seek the ancient paths any day. And it's a challenge. It's a lot of work. It takes away a lot of the security that people may like. But it is all about walking in the, in the power of Jesus and to reestablishing that authority of kingdom. So patriots. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer.
to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 